All right, but you know, um, you know, when we look at videos like that, and you hear, um, you know, personal testimonies that that Gene shared, it's just, uh, it's a good reminder that, you know, we we need to live this life serving Christ with the proper perspective. Amen. I think perspective is so important when we gauge where we're at, what seems to be troubling us, and what the Lord wants to do through those troubles, right? Because uh, something that's troubling to us may not be so much for someone else, but I think the, the most important thing is to keep it in the proper perspective and keep Christ at the forefront of your thinking, no matter where you're at, and, and that will enable you to uh, to still praise the Lord uh, despite whatever storm it is that you are currently going through. Amen. And so that, I think that that video was very telling, and uh, you know, praise God for uh, for that family and just the journey that they're on, uh, and what the Lord has them in using Operation Christmas Child. I think that's a beautiful thing. All right, this morning we will be wrapping up. Uh, the letter to the church of Pergamum. So when you get a chance, uh, if you can, please turn to Revelation chapter 2. We'll be going through verses 14 down through 17. And when you do get a chance, please stand if you're able-bodied, able to. And we'll go ahead and read God's word. I'll pray and we'll get into our message this morning. Give you a moment to flip through the pages. It's always, as the old-time pastors would say, that's a beautiful sound when you hear the crinkling of pages being being turned, um, I guess the same as the tapping of uh, whatever <laughs> uh, keys on a, on a cell phone as long as uh, you're in the Word. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead. Revelation chapter 2, verses 14 down through 17. And it says, and this is Jesus speaking again to the church of Pergamum. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught... Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore, repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. Verse 17, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirits, the spirit, excuse me, says to the churches, to the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Lord, just this opportunity again on this Sunday morning to come together as the body of Christ and to hear from you, Lord, to dive into your word and uh, experience your revelation through your word and uh, your truth, what you have to say specifically this morning to the church. Lord, this is not to non-believers. This is to the body of Christ and where we are at and things that are going on in our lives. Lord, may you bring to light anything that uh, is a stumbling block, Lord, uh, to us that's not, uh, you know, that's not from you, Lord. If, it, if it's opposed to you and we're erecting things in our hearts that are taking away precious time or, 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 or just our focus, Lord, would you recalibrate 
our focus and our goal today to serve you and to finish our race strong. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the power of your word to correct us, reprove us, to change us, Lord, to, uh, to transform us into the people that you've called us to be, to be uh, those that are likened unto your son, Jesus Christ, in the sense of how we live, our character, our heart. Would you do that this morning, Father? We're, we're all ears. Lord, help us to be attentive. May uh, the distractions of this world and things of that nature not, not set us messed up, Lord. May we be able to clearly decipher and discern what you're saying to us this morning. So, Father, we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen. All right. So last week, we learned how the church of Pergamum was commended. They were commended last week. This is a, a bit of a contrast, what we're seeing right now. But they were commended for keeping uh, the faith in Jesus Christ, despite living in a location that was described as Satan's throne. Jesus Christ personally commended them for keeping his faith, though the setting they were in was uh, extremely ungodly and the things that went on were, were not good. We also learned that uh, the sharp double-edged sword, who is Jesus Christ, which is the Word of God, uh, Jesus knows all things about all people, good, bad, and ugly. He knows clearly what's going on within our hearts. There's no, uh, there's no hiding. There's no trying to get around the fact that he observes all the things you do in secret, all the things you do that I don't know about, all the things you do that even maybe your wife or your children don't know about, and vice versa. He knows everything about us, so we need... Be honest with him, for that brings restoration to occur. Again, this is important to note and understand because that was a great segue into this second half of the, to the letter of Pergamum that we're going to go through this morning. You see, though they were commanded or commended, excuse me, for keeping his faith, they weren't spotless just yet. They weren't perfect by any means or any stretch of the imagination. Today, we will learn about where they compromised and how they compromised. And this is a, this is a very uh, a serious warning to us as the church today. It's a great reminder for us that no matter how much we think we serve the Lord, how much we think, oh, I'm, I'm doing great, I'm, I'm doing well in Jesus, and, 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 and there's nothing wrong with my life. I'm living the life I'm supposed to live. Uh, sin can easily creep in if we are not on guard. And that's the reason for keeping a short account with Jesus Christ daily. Some would even say moment by moment throughout your day. Uh, pride puffs you up real quick. You can easily go from humble to you start doing things for the Lord. You start getting recognized as the Lord working through you. And the next thing you know, you're patting yourself on the back thinking you had something to do with it. When all praise and honor should go to him alone. Amen. Several main points are this. The outward appearance the outward appearance of a man or woman is only skin deep, but the content of your character is what Jesus Christ is after. The content of your character, your heart. So this portion of Scripture in the book of Revelation, it started off again with Jesus telling the church of Pergamum, but I have a few things against you. <laughs> he had just... Com com commended them for keeping the faith. He, he said that some in the church of Pergamum held to the teaching of Balaam, 
which was not a good thing at all. If you know anything about Balaam and, and, and what Baal worship is, it's, it's, it's described uh, in, in many ways in the Old Testament. It was not a good thing. But I have to, as I was reading through this, I, I had to ask the question, but didn't Jesus just commend them? Didn't he just commend them for keeping his faith and not forsaking his name? He just said that in a couple of verses prior to this. Yes, he did. We know the Bible does not contradict itself. So what did Jesus Christ mean when he said this? Well, to understand this better, we should go to a passage. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to explain it. But uh, in Matthew chapter 13, verses 36 down through 43, many of you are familiar with the wheat and the tares, right? The wheat and the tares. Again, he's speaking to the church here. He's not speaking to unbelievers. He's speaking to people who profess publicly that they are believers in Jesus Christ. You see, even within the church, some will grow apart from Christ. Meaning, see, don't mince my words, or maybe I should say it a different way. I'm not meaning true believers in Christ, but many will attend services. Many will profess with their mouth that they are Christians, that they believe in Jesus, but truly they are not rooted and grounded in him at all. That's why it's not about church attendance. You don't earn points with God because you come here and you call this place your, 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 your church home. It's not about that. This is part of what you do, but this is not, this is not what it's about. This is not the entirety Right? It's not the entirety of who you are in Christ. Or even the service that we do. You know, we do, oh, we do this. We have this ministry and we do these things. But that, that's not who you and I are in Christ. There are things that we partake in that we do. It is the heart. It is the heart of a man or woman. It is the condition of your heart as a man or woman after God. That, that, that's what's the telling tale of, of, of where we are with Christ. And you see, it's the heart and a man or woman's heart. Over time, this will prove whether or not we are wheat or we are tares. Because as that, that parable points out, the wheat and the tares, they grow together side by side. And you cannot tell right off the bat who, what is what and who is who. But through time, through through challenges, through trials, through tribulation, through uh, long-suffering, through enduring, through working out your salvation with fear and trembling, you will find out if you are truly a child of God or not. Because having a placard, having some, some thing saying, I got baptized, I'm certified, I got this certificate, I mean, that doesn't, it's cool, but that's not what it's about. That's not what it's about at all. You see, this is why unless you and I are supernaturally through the power of the Holy Spirit regenerated, regenerated from a degenerate state to regenerated, born again, even, the, even something as far as water baptism, if you're not regenerated and you go get baptized in water, you're just getting wet. That's not sacrilegious. I'm not going against what Jesus said. Jesus commanded for us to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But there is a regeneration that has to take place somewhere in that midst. There ha it has to be. I've personally been baptized several times. And I can tell you right now, the first time I got baptized, I had no business being baptized because I wasn't ready. And it proved true because a couple weeks later, I was off doing the same thing I had done before. 
and it wasn't living for Christ. So I have personal testimony to, that supports me in knowing that water baptism without regeneration is just you getting wet. But, there's a big but, that means <laughs> that there's hope. Water baptism taken in, in its rightful purpose, right? In its rightful way will take on its rightful meaning once you're truly regenerated. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to have the value it's supposed to have. But you see, we, we, we cheapen things like that. We cheapen things like communion when we partake in things, but yet we're not really living for Jesus. We're just humdrum about it. We're just so-so. Oh, I'll do it a couple times a month and I'm okay. Or I got one foot in, one foot out. We already know if you've done any reading or studying in the book of Revelation, the church of Laodicea was marked by that description, being lukewarm, not really being all in, being all in one way and, and halfway in the other. And it's not a good thing. So we want to settle that now. We talked about this a couple weeks about a couple weeks ago. The line of demarcation. The Bible is that, and we have to decide once and for all who are we living for. Are we living for the God of this universe, or are we living for the God of this world? And that's a that's a challenge. That's a daily decision that we have to make. And again, that comes back to that working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying. You work for salvation. Salvation is freely given. But working out your salvation is something we need to do on a daily basis is what the scriptures tell us. Okay, the second main point is this. As believers, and this is, this is what struck me so, so much this week, is that this is, this is all to the church. This is not to people who don't believe. This is to people who profess Christ. As believers, if we rebel and fail to repent, there will be consequences of the Lord coming against us. What? I thought God is love. He is love. But he's also a jealous God. He's also a God that you have to, I have to come to him on his terms, not my own. And if we try to do a workaround and think we can negate repentance, we're sadly mistaken. And you're going to suffer for it. You don't want to have to suffer when you have the answer right there in front of you. You see... If there is no repentance, there can be no restoration. It cannot occur. It cannot occur. You're living a lie if you think you can walk this Christian walk without repentance. Jesus was saying here that if those in the church of Pergamum who were mixing false teaching with true doctrine, if they refused to repent, he would visit them soon. And it wasn't going to be a nice sunshiny greeting meaning suddenly or fighting against the unrepented members he would judge them with the sword of his mouth which is the word of god we see a holy god holy meaning set apart he does not tolerate false doctrine and immorality within his church anyone who's walked with the lord for any extended amount of time knows that your sin will come to light. And if it's serious, I mean, all sin is serious, but any form of immoral living, sexual immorality, those things are going to come to light. If you're married and you're practicing things that aren't right, I don't care if you're just looking at something on the web. I don't care if you're looking at some holiday catalog. And I, you know, I don't know, people, are, you know, people try to get away with a lot of stuff. And you're over here being tantalized by some J.C. Penney's catalog model. It's going to come to light. You cannot 
be doing those kind of things and say, I'm right with God. It, your spouse is going to know about it. Remember, we all share the same Holy Spirit. Nothing gets by my wife. My wife knows everything. I don't have anything to hide, but I share that because in anything, anything that goes on, my wife knows. She knows because the Holy Spirit reveals it to her. Kalos tried to pull a fast one the other day. He said, how did you know, Mom? He said, the Holy Spirit told me. The Holy Spirit showed me. And you were being sneaky. When you're being sneaky, we all know, right? We've all been there trying to pull a fast one, thinking it's all good. You know, oh, we don't act like that. What are you doing? You know, and, and this was the same thing. And Jesus was saying, don't, don't do these things because I'm going to have to unfortunately come against you if you don't repent. You see, Christians who try to harmonize biblical teaching and godly living with corrupt doctrine and immoral living learn the hard way that the two don't mix. It's like oil and water. It just does not go together. It will not work. And people may think it will work for a season because, oh, <laughs> there's no consequences, right? That's the world we live in. Oh, we're getting away with it. I've done this. I've done that. And there's no consequence just because the Lord is slow to administer justice does not mean that that justice will not come. It will come at the proper time and it will be the undoing of many people who are living that way if they choose not to repent. You see, when we live like that, we place ourselves under swift chastisement at the hand of Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. Instead of rebuking the moral and spiritual darkness that filled Pergamum, the church of Pergamum compromised its purity by allowing the teachings of Balaam and the Nicolaitans to fester in their midst. False teaching has a great capacity to damage the church from within. It's not a lot of times what's going on the outside. It's things left unchecked within church members, within church leadership. And then the church is, is, is hit and the church suffers because uh, if the leadership is not upholding uh, a short account with the Lord and, and if we're not involved with one another and being honest with one another and being first and foremost being honest with the Lord you know being honest with the Lord uh, then these things are going to happen and it's going to come to light so we must enjoy uh, repentance I know that sounds sounds silly or even hard to do but repentance is a beautiful thing and it brings about the peace and the joy of the Lord. Without repentance, there is no joy. There is no peace. There is no close relationship with God. All right, the third main point is this. This is a beautiful thing. See, it goes from, man, that's hard. It's hard to hear, you know. Maybe, maybe some of you are squirming when I, when I share these things because it's not, it's not, it's not the, the feel-good message, but it's the truth. You know, it's the truth. But this is also the truth. If we hold fast to Jesus Christ alone, not what we do, but Jesus Christ alone. Not our service, but Christ. We will receive the hidden manna, an unhindered personal relationship with him, and a new name. It's a beautiful thing. You see, the overcomer is one who endures in his faith or her faith despite trials and hardships. Overcomers are followers of Christ who successfully resist the power and the temptation of this world. An overcomer holds fast to faith in Christ until the end. Finishing your race well. That's Paul preached about that a lot. I want to finish my race well. You see, 
the believer who does this demonstrates complete dependence upon the Lord Jesus Christ through thick and thin. 1 John chapter uh, 5, verses 4 and 5 encourages us that all who are born again will overcome this world. Uh, I love this verse. It says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Of God, excuse me. The hidden Madden that's spoken about in this portion of Scripture is none other than Jesus Christ Himself. You see, this is something that we need to understand greatly, and I, I believe that you know. You look at that clip uh, of that that family and that that young that young lady. They get it. It's not about stuff. It's about a relationship. You see, having a rich, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ is greater than any material thing we could ever receive. I heard a message this morning, and it, and it was very poignant, and, and, it, and it spoke to my heart. And the pastor was talking about many Christians in America are in love with the stuff, in love with what God gives them, but not God himself. How many times in a 24-hour period do you find yourself going to the Lord and not just going to the stuff that he provides you, but you going to him, seeking him in his word, speaking to him, praying to him, asking him for direction, asking him for guidance, asking him to help you in whatever circumstance, or better yet, even just praising him for his faithfulness, praising him for his goodness, praising him for the fact that you get to experience a personal relationship with him because of his son, Jesus Christ. And these are things that we have to ask ourselves. Where is my attention? Where is my time? What, is, what am I focused on? Am I focused on the thing that is given or am I focused on the giver? It's very important. All right. Verses 14 and 15. So it says, but I have a few things against you. You, uh, you have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold the teachings of the Nicolaitans. I mean, this is a, this is a hard statement. The fact that the Lord of all creation says to this church, I have a few things against you. Man, okay. It's like, okay, Lord, I thought we were all good. I thought everything was gravy. I thought everything was copacetic. And now you're telling me you have a few things against me. All right, Lord, lay it on me. What is it? What do you have against me? You see, the Christians in Pergamum were rightly praised for holding fast to the name of Jesus Christ and keeping his faith. But they lived in a difficult environment. But this difficult environment did not give them the excuse for the few things that Jesus Christ had against them. You see, Jesus goes on to say that, they were holding on to the doctrine of Balaam. The first thing to point out here, which is very important, is he wasn't pointing out the whole church. You see? And that goes back to the wheat and the tares. Because Jesus didn't say all of you. He said some. He said those who hold the doctrine of Balaam. He never said all. The application for us is this. The church, this side of heaven on earth will never be perfect. We talked about this last week briefly, that some people seek out the perfect church. Oh, I, I, I got to go to this church because, you know, they do things to my liking. They do things that just make me feel like it's just where I need to be. But if, you know, I, 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 can't, I can't go to this other place because they don't have X, Y, and Z. Are they teaching 
(laughs) the doctrine of Jesus Christ crucified. That's all you need to know. All that other stuff is extra. That's extra fluff, or maybe I shouldn't be so harsh. It's extra little blessings, all the other little things. But the main thing has to be the main thing. Is Christ crucified being preached where you're going? If that's the truth, then, then that's good. If it's not, then that's not the right church to be at. But the reality is there is no perfect church on earth. It doesn't exist. You see, because the church is made up of we're a bunch of broken people being transformed into new creations. But that doesn't make any excuse for us to continue to live a lifestyle dedicated to false doctrine once we know the truth. This is, again, for believers, people who have, who have claim that they have been regenerated, that they've been changed, and now they're professing Christ as their Lord and their Savior, and they're saying that they walk with Jesus daily. There's no excuse for continuing to live a lifestyle. You cannot continue to be a raging alcoholic and say, but I profess Jesus Christ. No, that has, there, 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 there has to be something that changes in that. There has to be something that changes in a gambling habit that's, that you don't do that anymore. There's certain things you just do not do and you're going to replace them with other things that you do do. That's proof that you've been changed, that you've been regenerated. Can you fall back into those habits? Certainly. If you don't watch yourself, if I don't watch myself, I'm one step away from going right back to where I was. But I don't have to and you don't have to. It depends on where you put your focus, where you put your energy. Who is it on? Who is it in? Is it in Christ or is it in other things? You see, that's what our Lord was pointing out to the church of Pergamum here. That Balaam was a prototype, if you will, of all corrupt teachers. According to Numbers chapter, chapters 22 down through chapters 24 and um, chapter 31 in the book of Numbers, Balaam combined the sins of immorality and idolatry to please Balak, the king of Moab, because he couldn't curse Israel Directly, So he resorted to this other form of trying to stifle the Lord's work in their lives. You see, when Balaam counseled Balak, he taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel. The stumbling block was connected with idolatry, which was in these verses, it tells us, eating things, sacrificed to idols, and sexual immorality. If the church in Pergamum, or Pergamos, excuse me, had those who did hold to the doctrine of Balaam, it showed that they had the tendency both towards idolatry and immorality, that they were willing to do these things. They weren't sold out for Christ. They were willing to compromise, even if it was just a little bit, because they thought it was okay. You see, sexual immorality back then, in this culture, it marked the whole culture of the ancient Roman Empire. It was simply taken for granted that a person who lived by biblical standards of purity was considered strange. It was like, you partake in these things because all these people worship these false idols and they did, uh, you know, just gross things within what they called worship, which is pretty interesting when you think about it. It's like, what are you worshiping? You're worshiping the act of sex. That's pretty crazy. But, I mean, when you look at our culture today doesn't that sound familiar when you look at the state of life today isn't that how it is i mean some will say oh you're young you're young go ahead and you know sow your wild oats today you can settle down later it doesn't matter you can be promiscuous or what's another good one it's my body i can do with it as i wish and no one can tell me what to do i can do whatever i want to do 
Or others will say, get it out of your system now. And when you get older, you can settle down. Just get it out of your system. It doesn't matter if I choose to sleep with my boyfriend or girlfriend and we're not married. They say, oh, you're old fashioned if you do that. Why do we have such a problem with children being born and men siring children and not being there? Why are there so many single parent homes in our country if it's not a big deal? You see, when we play around with stuff like that, we, 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 we continue these generational curses that continue on to our children. And, and, and it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing at all. You see, Jesus Christ makes it clear that sexual lust not under control in your life will destroy you. You see, there is no self-help group. There is no step group. There is no psychologist. There is no web blocker that's going to eradicate this problem indefinitely. You need, I need the power of the almighty God to break the chains, to set you free from something like that. Amen. Amen. There is no other, you can't join no AA's Anonymous or Sex Anonymous. That's not going to cut it. You need the regeneration of your heart and your soul. You need to be supernaturally changed. That's the only way something like that can be broken and you can be freed from it. To keep from sexual immorality in that culture and in ours today, you really need to swim against the current. Because the trend is do whatever you want. Feel however you want. Be however you want. And it's all acceptable. But there is a dark side to all of that. You know, we were talking a couple weeks back and I was talking to Lou and he had mentioned, I see the commercials all the time, that we've we've now come up with medicine to make it widely acceptable to participate in in homosexual uh, things. Uh, And, oh, I have this pill that will help me with HIV so I, I won't really pass it on to anyone and it won't be detected and my body will be okay. Now, granted, those, that medicine and those pills are great for people who have HIV who are not living a sexual lifestyle to flaunt it in someone's face, to flaunt it in God's face, basically, and say, hey, I can still have my sin and be healthy. No, no, that's an abuse of something that should be a good thing. But, but that, that's, that's, that's a snapshot of what our culture and our society parades around nowadays. We find ways, we work around ways to still do what we want to do in the name of self-pleasure, in the name of self-indulgence. And we flaunt it in front of God as if we're not going to be held responsible. I like what Michelle said. We don't, we don't worship the God of technology. We don't. And we live, we live we, we, just, just, just be real. You know, we live in uh, 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 right where we're at, right? I mean, Apple's here. Uh, Google's here. All these things are here, you know, where you can just be immersed in this technology, but it's fleeting. There are good things to be used by it. I, I, I use technology, but I don't abuse it. And I don't look to it as my God, but many people do. So it's not just sexual immorality that we're dealing with here, but any kind of immorality, anything that takes the place of God's rightful place in your heart is considered a false God or an idol. Next, we see that... Um, there were also those that held to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. We know that in Revelation chapter 2, verse 6, Jesus praised the Ephesian Christians because that they hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Just a quick refresher. Um, 
You see, but the Nicolaitans, they also had their own little kind of secret doctrine. And some among the Christians of Pergamos, they held to the doctrines of the, these Nicolaitans. So what was the actual doctrine of the Nicolaitans? Well, the title Nicolaitans had the idea of a proud authority and a hierarchy, a hierarchy basically. Like, okay, we're, we're the privileged ones and all of the lay people are down here. It's almost like, um, you know, in, in, in old time Israel with uh, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They were the spiritually elite and everyone else was just you know, lay people that didn't know much. This was kind of the same idea here. The name Nicholas literally means to conquer the people. So according to ancient commentators, the Nicolaitans, they also approved of immorality. So you see how this is all kind of, you know, blending and meshing in together where it's like, man, all this stuff is like, they're all in agreement. <laughs> we can live immoral. We can do what we want to do, but we're going we're gonna to hide it under the cloak of Christianity. When we look back, when the church was first planted in the book of Acts, it was simply known as the way. That's it, the way. There wasn't no fancy title. There wasn't no fancy, fancy name. It was because people who believed in Jesus Christ, they simply followed his ways. They followed after the teachings of Christ. But as time went on, different groups of the church splintered off to form their own little subgroups. And when you look today, it's no wonder why we have so many different denominations. It's because people splinter off. I mean, I've been in churches where they say, you cannot have a beard. You can only have a mustache. Uh, you know, the women, you got to wear a veil. you got to wear a dress. Uh, you can't dress like this in a church service. I can't come like this. I have to be in a, a collared shirt. That makes me... That makes me acceptable to God? No, that makes me acceptable to your man-made rules and regulations. You know, uh, that, that's, that's, that's crazy. And for someone who doesn't know and is questioning what's going on in their, in their own life and their own spirituality and they're trying to find who Jesus is, when you have churches saying stuff like that, that'll mess you up. And I'm not saying that that's an excuse for why I did what I did when I was younger. But you know what? I look back on it now and it was a blessing because I can spot falsehood real quick <laughs> it's like nope that's not that's not found in scripture i don't have now if you want to be clean shaven that's fine I'm not saying that if you have a beard all of a sudden you're more like jesus that's that's pretty silly but you know men can grow hair <laughs> god made men in a way where you can grow facial hair that's that's a clear line of demarcation for many men it's like i'm this is you know especially nowadays where it's like I don't know what this is, non-binary. I mean, you could be any sex you want to be. It's a, we, you know, whatever. The point is, God has an order to things, and he made men men. He made women women, and, and that's what it is. Um, but, you know, we have to have clear teaching from the Bible. These Nicolaitans, clearly they were doing their own thing, and it wasn't good. And so Jesus had to come against the church of Pergamum and say, hey, these are the things that are not too good that I have to address. Please Look at what you're doing and see the truth that I'm trying to show you. You see, if we would just keep the Holy Bible as the ultimate authority in our lives, we wouldn't have all these extra problems that we bring upon ourselves because of our own disobedience. Now, I know that problems are going to come and trials are going to come. But it's unfortunate when we do silly things, when I do silly things that make it more difficult for myself. It shouldn't be that way. We just need to take the Bible as the ultimate authority, believe it is the ultimate authority, live by its precepts, 
And man, you're going to be blessed. You're going to have a better life, even when you go through difficult times. You know, um, I'll use Isaiah as an example. I'm not putting you on blast. It's a good thing. He's a Christian. He's saved, right? He professes Christ as his Lord. He went through a crazy circumstance a couple weeks ago where it could have been really bad. I know for a fact, because I've had my own bouts with stuff like that, if you're not saved and you go through that, I can guarantee you it's going to be 10 times worse. You're going to be 10 times more stressed out. Because what do you have to cling to? Where's your hope when your car's gone and you could have died and you could have, it could have been all bad. But when you have Christ, yes, it's, it sucks. Man, I lost my car. It sucks. These, and these, these things happen. But I have Jesus and I can cling to Christ and I can put my hope in him and I can rest in him even though it's difficult. When you don't have Jesus, what do you do? People turn to alcohol. They turn to sexual immorality. They turn to theft or robbery. They turn, they turn to plotting. They turn to doing all kind of other stuff. Or they turn to suicide. Or they turn to, I'm going to get mad and I'm going to pick up a gun and I'm going to go spraying up a bunch of people because I'm irritated and I'm mad. Praise God that there wasn't a real shooter uh, at the Great Mall the other day. You know, Veronica was out and, uh, you know, her sister, ah, you know, they on social media. <laughs> Get it. Don't, don't go there. They're shooting. You know, but I mean, that kind, of, that kind of stuff happens all too often in our society today. Somebody gets mad and they just go somewhere and they just start shooting people. But why? We have to, we have to dig deep and find out what's going on within that person's life. And many times they don't have Christ. And if they, do to prof- if they do profess Christ, they have a false understanding of who Jesus is and they have a false expectation. And a false expectation was not met. And so all of a sudden now they're mad at God because he didn't do his part, supposedly. <laughs> and then they go wet a bunch of people up. You see, that's why we have to keep short accounts with Jesus. That's why we have to have clear biblical teaching. Not, 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 not just from a pastor, but in your personal time with the Lord. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. The Holy Spirit will reveal to you what the scriptures mean. You will be able to understand and differentiate truth from falsehood. And that's so important in our day and age today. As there's so much just widespread information out there. But we have to be able to sift through what's true and what's false. You see, he goes on to say you have those there and you also have these other ones. The rebuke was not only against those who held the doctrine of Balaam, but it was also, again, to those who held on to this belief of the Nicolaitans. The rebuke was also to those who allowed these things to continue. See, this is a, this is a very important point. See, some people say, well, hey, I, I, I'm guiltless because <laughs> I don't partake in that. I don't do those things. It's you guys who do it. But, but me, I'm clean. I haven't done anything. But the application is this. If you and I stand around idle and do nothing when sin is being paraded around us, we are just as guilty. We are just as guilty if we just turn a blind eye. That's what a lot of people do. I don't want to get involved. I'm a, I'm a conscious of it, but that's on you, brother. <laughs> that's on you, sister. You get your house right. Oh, man, that's not the right attitude as a brother and sister in Christ. You see, that's called the sin of omission. That's called the sin of omission. Knowing the right thing to do and yet not acting upon it. And I'm not saying go stomp into someone's life and start tirading on what they're supposed to do. But there is something called intercessory prayer. There is something of seeking the Lord and the Lord will show you what you need to do. You know, maybe it's not 
drilling them and beating them over the head, but just saying, hey, brother, I'm available. You ever want to talk? You know, but making yourself visibly there for someone instead of just being like, peace, I'm gone. Or we just say our little water cooler talk at, at the church service and, and it's, it's skin deep and it never gets to the depth of how are you really doing? Joaquin, he always says that. Now, how are you really doing? Not, not this, this, this little pad, how you doing, bro? No, well, what's really going on in your life? You know, do we, do, we, do, we, do, we, do we consider that? Do we value others around us in that way? That we, we, we want to go deeper than just, just surface stuff, right? Because on the surface, we all look okay. We all look like we're good. I came in this morning and I was all jacked up. You know, the Lord's been dealing with me the last few days of like, who are you worshiping? You know, and I know, I know that I'm not worshiping no false gods, but the Lord is trying to show me just stay on the right path. Don't get too involved in, in, in doing all these things because my focus needs to be on the Lord, not stuff, not information, not knowledge. You know, those things are good, but you can easily start thinking that it's all good just because you're involved in stuff. But it's like, no, that's not be involved with Jesus in him. In him, you have all things in him. I have all things. Everything should be everything should be satisfied in Christ in my life and in your life. Right. And if it's not, our perspective has to change because like that young girl, she said, I dread going to school. I dread it. This is a problem in my life. Because I'm, I don't want to do it at times. But then she goes to her home country and she sees there's some kid that's like, man, I, I, I'm doing all I can just to get to school. I don't even have books. I don't even have clean clothes. I don't have a building I can go to, but I want to learn, right? It starts putting things in perspective when we really start looking at, like, Lord, what do I really need? And the Lord's just like, you just need me. Speaking of Christ, all those other things will be added on to you, Right? Seek the kingdom of God with all your fervor, with all your heart, with all your being. And then all that other stuff gets added on, whatever it is he wants you to have. But it's not about the stuff. It's about him. Once we really get that, then the stuff will have its rightful place and you'll be able to enjoy it. But most importantly, you'll be able to enjoy your relationship with him. And a lot of times that stuff is going to end up being <laughs> used to be a blessing for other people. You're not even, you know, I mean, you're not even going to be hold on because you know, the people that hold on to the stuff. Oh, my gosh, they're so they're so gripped by it. Oh, I got all this money in the bank, but I, but I always got to check on it. And, I, you know, this investment, that investment. And it's not a bad thing to invest. It's not a bad thing to whatever, have your portfolio be nice and all that. But if that's what you're living for as a Christian, you're missing the point. The point is about Christ. The point is about Christ. Let me get back to this whole idea of sin of omission. Knowing the right thing to do, but yet not acting on it. The penal code, section 31 of the state of California, describes this as aiding and abetting. Oh, I was fully aware of all the carnage that was going on around me, but I didn't want to snitch on my homie. Because that just means I'm a rat and then they're going to do me in when I'm, you know, because that's a, that's a, that's a street thing. I, a real man doesn't, doesn't snitch on, 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 his, on his friends. Well, though, first of all, those aren't friends if they're doing ungodly things. Second of all, you're, you're committing the sin of omission because you know the right thing to do, yet you don't act upon it. We never want to be found guilty of this from the Lord, right? As Christians, we don't want to be those who... 
are committing the sin of omission, knowing the right thing to do, yet we fail to do it. The Christians of Pergamum were like the Christians of Corinth, as Paul wrote to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1-9. through 9. They too were very tolerant and accepting of false doctrines and immoral living, and Jesus had to rebuke them. You see, Satan couldn't accomplish much by persecution because many did hold fast like Antipas, who we learned last week. So Satan tried to accomplish his goal by a different means. And this strategy was first violence, then alliance or allegiance. You see, it's very, it's a difficult environment. A difficult environment, excuse me. It never, it never should justify your compromise. Just because things are difficult, you shouldn't say, that's, that's why I did it. <laughs> because it, it, I'm under so much stress. I just gave in. I, I, just, I just found myself at the bar. I just found myself at the strip club. I just found myself lying on my taxes because my family needs the money so bad. It's not an excuse. Again, who is the God that we say we serve? If it's, if it's the Lord, then we need to bring our problems, bring our issues, bring our situation to him. And he will make a way. He will provide a way out. But if we do our own thing and try to think, I'm going to move through it. I'm going to use my own intellect to get through it. Then we're going to end up botching the job and making a, making a whole mess of everything. It's easy for a church in such a difficult situation to justify this kind of compromise in the name of, we need all the help we can get. But no church needs that kind of help. You see, if... Um, <laughs> I like how um, Abraham, back in the Old Testament, after he rescued Lot and, and, and his family, after they got snatched up, uh, the king of Sodom said, here, basically, I'm giving you a, a blank check, and you can write any amount on it, and it's yours. And basically, Abraham's reply was, if it's not from the Lord, I'm not going to take it. I, I don't want that blessing from you. I want the blessing to come from the Lord. And that's the way we need to be as well. We need to seek the Lord on the matter and not just take things just because they're being handed out to us. You know, not everything that's being offered to you is from the Lord, right? Just because it looks appealing, just because it might satisfy this temporary need in your life doesn't mean it's from the Lord. And that's why we need to pray about things before we just go into whatever we're doing and think, oh, the need's being met. No, that might be straight from the enemy. We must remember this. Galatians chapter 5 verse 9. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little sin left unchecked in your life and my life will add up to a lifestyle of compromise and our demise if we allow it to. Again, if we leave it unchecked, if we think, oh, it's just it's not a big deal. It's all good. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a little bit. <laughs> it's just a little bit. Well, that little bit's going to turn into a whole lot over the course of time. And it's going to grow to become a big monster that you can't stop. Right? And you need the intervention. I need the intervention of God, of Jesus Christ, of the Holy Spirit in my life. All right. Verse 16, it says, Therefore, repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He just makes it clear and simple. Jesus says, repent. This Simple word stands out. Five of the seven ch- churches were commanded to repent. Repent is a common, a command, excuse me, that applies to all Christians, not only to those who first come to Jesus. The application is this. Simply, we need, 
not to be turned off or afraid of this word. This is something that we need to embrace. Repentance is something that is a beautiful thing. And it ultimately describes God's grace and mercy. It does make you uncomfortable for a moment, but it's for your own benefit. It's for my own benefit. You know, my children, when they need to take medicine, you know, Tirza, she just spits it up and she'll throw up all over the place. Kalos, he'll whine and cry and run everywhere he can go so he doesn't have to take it. But you know what? Once we get it in their system, even though it's a difficult time doing that, it ends up working its job and it does what it needs to do. That's how repentance is. It may be very difficult for you this morning to be honest, to go before the Lord and tell the Lord where you're at truly. Maybe you haven't done business with God and you've been avoiding it because you think it's all good and you think you have time to just... To let just not deal with it. The Lord's like, come do business with me. Come do business with me so I can restore what the locusts have taken from you, what they've eaten, so I could restore everything that I want to give to you. I want to give you myself. That's what God's saying to you. But he's like, I can't because there's this wedge between us because you have unconfessed sin in your life. Repent. And then it will be better in the long run. You see, we now live in a time where it's all too common that the church doesn't want to hear about repentance. They don't want to hear about sin. Don't don't, don't preach to me about sin. Don't preach to me about repentance, pastor. I don't want that. I I want to feel good. I come here to be entertained. You see, Los Los, Los Angeles too. Hollywood and Las Vegas are a microcosm of what America has become. We're an entertainment-based culture. We always want to be entertained. Entertain me. And this is seeped into the church where the church members come in and they say, entertain me, pastor. And that's why people church hop so much because they say, oh, this pastor doesn't entertain me. May they, not, they may not be saying it with their words, but they're saying it with their actions. They're saying it with their conduct because they don't want to hear the truth. They want to be entertained. The Bible says that they've grown itching ears and they have raised up teachers that suit their own selfish desires. May that not be said of us. You may not like my style of teaching. You may not like how I get down. But as long as the Lord is leading me, I'm going to teach the truth from the Bible as the Bible says. Not my own understanding, not my own opinions. Because we need truth taught. We need the Bible. We don't need all this other stuff. You see, it's vital for us to remember we must come to God on his terms and not our own. His terms are a repented mind and heart. We can't get away from that. I can't. That's why I was going through whatever I was going through the last several days because the Lord's like, repent, repent. You did put those things before me. You did put those ideas before me. You did put those material things before me. Repent. I can stand up here and say it honestly because I know that I've already dealt with the Lord and I don't have anything to hide and I don't have any shame because the Lord's like, now you're right back with me. I'm restored. I'm restored. I'm healed. I don't have that baggage anymore. I could be like, I don't care. Hey, you messed up on the order and this didn't come in and that blah, blah, blah. That's not a big deal. But at the moment, I, I was making it a big deal because those things were elevated above God. And God's like, dude, you don't need the stuff. You need me. Don't worry about this stuff. You know, sometimes we start, we, we, we start amassing things. And then that's how the focus can easily drift off of Jesus. You know, or it could be family. We start elevating family little by little, not even knowingly. We have a good heart, we, a regenerated heart that's good now. And our desire is to, to do the best thing. But we start elevating our family above God little by little. 
And God's like, no, 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 scale it back. Remember, I came to divide mother, father, sister, brother, because he's like, can't nobody come before me? We have to have that mindset. That's why personal time with the Lord is so important. However you do it, however the Lord leads you to get down like that, you got to have your personal time. And it can't just be a little, you know, a little tic-tac of a Bible verse from the Bible app, and that's the only time you spend with the Lord. You've got to have your own personal time because you know you're not going to be with your spouse forever, right? <laughs> you're not. You're not going to be with your family forever. You, the Lord has to be first priority in your life. And then, then all those relationships flourish the way they're supposed to, and they have their rightful place. Unless this church repented, because he, he goes on to say that if you don't repent, I'm going to come quickly and I'm going to fight against you with the sword of my mouth. Unless they repented, the Christians at Pergamum would face the Jesus who has the double-edged sword. This was the consequence for not repenting as believers. For us today, we sit in line to experience this same consequences if we are believers in Jesus Christ and we refuse to repent. Judgment will begin at the house of the Lord. First Peter chapter 4 verse 17 tells us, for this <clears throat> for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God, and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? See, this is such a, this is why repentance is such a beautiful thing. Do you understand? Do I understand that this is the mercy and grace of God being extended to us so greatly. That's what it is. Because for non-believers, they're not going to get that chance. There's going to come a time where they're not going to get that chance. We're getting the chance to repent and have that right relationship with God. Because without it, it's, it's hell. It's, it's eternal separation. It's eternal separation. He goes on to say, the sword of my mouth. When Jesus came against the Christians of Pergamos, he, will, he confronted them with his word. This is a quick example. This is why many times people don't understand the Ten Commandments. Many people think trying to keep them is how they can be right with God. Well, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't cheat on my wife, so I must be good with God. And I don't, I don't steal, so I must be good with God. Or I don't commit murder, so I, I should be okay with God. But that's not how it works. The, the, the Ten Commandments are simply a mirror that when we truly look at the Ten Commandments, we see, man, I don't measure up. I, I, apart from you, I can't. I can't. How, can, how can I have no other God but you when, when all this stuff is around me all the time and all this stuff is blurring in my ear? You see, it's a regenerated heart that is needed. Without that, we can't meet God's standards. The word of God should convict all humans since God has written his law on the conscience of every person. But some of us, our consciences have become seared because we've been engaged in so much secularism and so much sinful behavior for so long that we no longer get numb to things when we do them and they're wrong. But it is only the true believer in Jesus Christ who has his law written upon his heart. And that's where the conviction comes in and correction and reproof if we do repent. All right, last verse. And he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. He says, he who has an ear. 
If you are conscience, conscious excuse me, of what is going on and you are able to hear, you are going to be held accountable. That's it. You can't claim ignorance. You can't say, well, I didn't know. You know, if you sit anywhere where the Bible is truly being taught, you have no excuse. I have no excuse. We've heard. We know. We need to act now. So today, if you have an ear to hear, listen to what God has to say to you. Don't shut him out. Even though it may be difficult, don't shut it out. Accept it because it's for your benefit. It's for my benefit to hear these things. You see, the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing the word of God. So let us hear what the word of God has to say to us. Amen. The danger of false teaching and immoral conduct still faces the church today. So does the danger of allowing false teaching and immorality as was the problem with these Christians in Pergamos. But there is. This is the hope, and this is, this is the bright part. This is where it gets so much better. It's like, oh, I've been waiting for this part. What is this? The promise of a reward. To him who overcomes, I will give him some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him this white stone. With on this stone will be a new name written on it, which no one knows except the one who receives it. For the one who overcomes. So first off, this just shows us that it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a dog fight. It's not going to come easy. The Christian life is not a cakewalk. It's the most difficult, most hard thing to do because this whole world is going the opposite way. The whole world is telling you do the opposite. And you have to stand and say, no, I will not. I'll use Abraham as an example again. He kept telling people, "My, you know, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm going to have generations that are going to follow after me. This man's old at the time, at 85 at the time. It's been 10 years. The promise hasn't been fulfilled. The people probably started thinking, this man is losing it up top. What is he talking about? How many children do you have, Abraham? None yet. 85-year-old man, for those, even for those standards back then, that would have been like, cuckoo, bro. You're telling me you're going to have generations. You ain't even got one. You ain't got one child. But you see, that's totally contrary to the way the world works because God is the God of miracles. The God we serve is the God that defies space and time. He does supernatural things. He's not bound by the order of this world. And so we have to trust him that no matter what is going on in our lives, he's going to come through. Amen? Amen. There are many obstacles to overcome in this life. I talked about it earlier. We are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, not work for it because it's a gift. But like any muscle, right? Any muscle, you got to work it out. <laughs> you you got to exercise. You got to use it or you what? lose it. You atrophy. If you don't work out, you just lose whatever you had. And so for us, the salvation we, should ha- we have should not be stagnant. But it should be active. It should be always ever changing us. And that's the truth about sanctification. That's all encapsulated in the gift of salvation. Because you embark on that journey of sanctification once you receive salvation from Jesus Christ. The one who overcomes this spirit of accommodation to false teaching and living will receive hidden manna. This is God's perfect provision, the true bread from heaven. John chapter 6 verse 41 tells us, So the Jews who grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven, you're going to receive Christ. That's what that hidden manna is. It's that, that deep personal relationship with Jesus, something that this world cannot offer you. 
You can have all the money in the world. You can have all the things in the world. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're always going to be seeking to fill that void in your heart that only he can fulfill. And I have one last point as the worship team comes up. He says, and I will give him a white stone. In the ancient world, the use of a white stone had many associations. Oh, man, it's all good. It, that, sounds, that sounds like my house. My daughter's always crying. <laughs> this white stone, it could be a ticket to a banquet. It could have been a sign of friendship. It could have been evidence of, 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 of uh, or a sign of acquittal in a court of law. That's what this white stone represented in that culture. You see, Jesus may have any of one of these meanings in mind, but at the very least, we know that it has the assurance of blessing. And it says, and on the stone, a new name written, which no one knows except who, him who he received it. Excuse me, him who received it. Well, what is the meaning of this new secret name promised to him who overcomes? Is it God's name or is it the believer's name? It's probably the believer's new name. And the name itself is probably more important than the stone itself. The application is this. One idea behind this new secret name is that it shows what an intimate relationship we have with God. You see, as a couple, you have pet names for each other. You have names that doesn't no one else say because they're not married to your spouse. It's the similar idea with God. I'll end with this example. Many years ago, I went to a a men's retreat at Mount Hermon up in Santa Cruz. And they had a portion of time where they said, oh, you know, we want you out to go out into wherever. Go alone. Don't go with the guys you're bunking with. But go with your Bible and, and go somewhere out in the woods and pray and seek the Lord. Seek the Lord as far as what he's going to reveal to you about who your new person is. What is your name? You know, and I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? It's kind of weird. New name. My name's Keefing, bro. I'm not going to get no new name from God. You know, but sure enough, I went out by myself and, you know, I was hanging out in the woods. And, you know, then uh, the Lord just impressed upon my heart messenger. That's all I heard. Messenger. I didn't hear no special trumpet sound or any you know i didn't hear no hebrew name i just heard the word messenger later on i got it tatted on my on my forearm but you know little did i know that the lord wanted to use me as a messenger and this all plays into where i'm at today but this is real as far as the fellowship we have with god may we be so close in our fellowship with god that there are intimate things between us and him, things that no one else knows about, but these are keepsakes for you that encourage you to continue on in your faith because you know that the Lord of all creation has you and that he loves you in such a deep way, right? Special, unique things just for us so that we will continue on in our journey. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Lord, thank you that you look at all of us in that special way, that you have something unique for every single one of us, a special, unique name. Or you give us yourself, the hidden manna, the bread of life. We don't need to be searching for other things. Lord, how many times do we struggle throughout the week looking for other stuff when you're like, look for me, look for me, seek me in the scriptures and you will find me and I'll give you so much peace and so much joy that you're not going to be you're not going to be overtaken by the cares of this world. Father, we need you in our midst today. 
No matter where we're at, we all need more of Jesus Christ. Would you please help us to know that we're loved by you, that we're cared by you, that you will make us perfect in your time. But we need to be willing. Lord, if there's repentance that needs to take place, when we take this communion, may we not rush to the back and get that juice and get that cracker, but may we truly let you examine our hearts so that we may be cleaned up and that we don't have to walk in shame and guilt because you have better for us than that. Father, we thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen.